The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Some of you guys might have noticed how cute Ryan looked in his matching shirt and shorts on the baptism. So just a cute little ensemble his wife put together for him. Basically, it's a baptism jumpsuit is what it is. But uh, anyway, it's a jumper. Yeah. Oh, my word. He hates me. Anyway. Uh, now, today is a fun day. It's so great to hear, um, you know, just the stories of life changes we talk about a lot. But um, today's significant, uh, like for, for me personally, even for Jordan, um, because uh, we got a couple of kiddos that are getting baptized of our own. So uh, Jack, <clears throat> excited about that. And then his daughter, Kyla, is going to get baptized. So I'm excited about that. Um, we're we're going to jump in here in a moment. But uh, what did I say? Oh, I said Jack? I don't even know my kids. What's his name? Hudson. That's, Hudson is the one. I'm sorry, bud. Man, alive. I think what it is is Jack, Jack needs to get baptized again, and then, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Huddy, I'm sorry, bud. Um, well, now I have another confession, but uh, I, I'm what they call a Mariners fan, and I don't know if there's any others in here, but... If we're Mariners, we're pretty weak about it. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're Mariners fans. Um, but I don't know if you, I listen to sports radio sometimes, and I've been listening to uh, this whole Astros situation. Anybody follow any of that? Maybe. But basically, the, the Houston Astros um, have been caught now going back a couple of years cheating in the 2017 uh, World Series. And they, of course, they won the World Series that year and stuff. And it's been a big deal because they were caught cheating, and it had everything to do with them figuring out the pitches and letting the batter know before the pitcher would even pitch what was coming. So they had a way better chance, obviously, of making contact, of hitting the ball. And it's kind of a big deal. But what amazes me even more so, though, is that um, the, the Astros so far, and they've, the whole team and management, they've all been coached on what to say. And it blows my mind right now that, that what's going on is they refuse to muster a real apology. And again, if you've watched any of this or listened to any of this, it's literally like they, they've been coached to say things like, yeah, you know, we didn't do things right. Or, well, we messed up, but they literally will not say they cheated. They will not admit to exactly what went on. And it got even worse because even one of the players who clearly has been caught cheating a couple years ago um, had the audacity to rip on a player from another team, the Dodgers, who they, they beat in the World Series, um, to rip on that player because that player was, uh, you know, bringing up these accusations. It's kind of this big deal. I'm thinking, that, that's insane. And it kind of is mind-blowing. But then I remember how stubborn I am. Anybody with me in this conversation? Like, it's easy for you and I. Like, I can watch from a distance and go, how dare they? Like, what are they doing? What are they thinking? What in the world? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but I remember how in my marriage I don't like to apologize all the time, you know. And so um, it's just kind of a confession, honestly. But, but here's the thing I know. And I want to go back for a moment all the way to the beginning of Genesis where it talks about Adam and Eve and the whole issue of original sin and what happened right after they sinned. It said that the Lord God came to have uh, you know, fellowship with them in the cool of the day. And what were they doing? They were hiding. In the story, it literally says they were hiding. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, where do you think you're going to hide from God, right? But the deal is, like, they knew they had done something wrong, and they chose to hide. And we've been hiders ever since. Can I hear an amen? 
I mean, that's just a simple fact. And so as we walk through today, I want to encourage you, this is not specifically a baptism message, but it's very much going to center around baptism. But what I love about the conversation about hiding is this. God refuses to allow us to remain hidden. What he does is he draws us out through his amazing grace Through his unmatchless love, we're drawn out of our shame. We're drawn out of our regret. We're drawn out of our sin. We're drawn out of our mess. And God, through his grace and the work of his Holy Spirit, draws us out from hiding in our own shame and brings us to a place of understanding his great love. And I think about it, and the days that you and I have maybe processed this conversation or you've sat in a gathering like this and, and we talk about Jesus and, and the cross and the price that was paid for your sin and my sin and we can sing a song like the band led us in, they did a great job, but you know, it, it, it's your breath in our lungs, we pour out our praise. When we understand the picture of all that God has done for us, there's nothing less than the thought, how amazing. But keep in mind, it also leads us to a place of asking the question, in all that God has done for us, what is it that he wants from me? What is it that that he wants from me? And the simple answer is this, what he wants is for you and I to follow. And it really is that simple. In fact, I want you to say that. I want you to repeat after me. Just say, to follow. What God wants from you and what God wants from me is obedience, the ability to follow when he asks us to head a certain direction. And that is where, on a day like today, we come to a place of baptism. Because baptism is following, first of all, Jesus' example. If you're taking notes, write down Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew 3, you have this story where it says that, that Jesus came from Galilee, it says, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Can you imagine Jesus coming up to you and going, hey, will you baptize me? I'd be like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I won't. Absolutely not. And that's actually what John the Baptist tries to do. When you look at the text in Matthew chapter three, verse 14, he says this, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. And so he's literally saying like, I'm not worthy. I I know who you are and, and, and I can't do that. It says, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And it says, then John consented. What he's saying is, I've got to take this step of obedience. I've got to do the right thing. And so John's like, absolutely, that's great. It says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and that moment heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And and I love that because for you and I, it would be easy to go, why did Jesus need to get baptized? It didn't have anything to do with sin because we believe Jesus was the sinless sacrifice for our sin. So it wasn't that. What, What was it? baptism of repentance like John the Baptist. But what we understand when you look at why Jesus did this is that Jesus was exemplifying a spirit of obedience or a spirit of surrender. And so he's, he's saying, I am giving my will to what God wants, what, what God the Father wants in getting baptized. And that's the same for all of us. That you and I, every single one of us in this room, is challenged to live a life of surrender. And that's not such a fun word because when you think about what that means, it means giving up what you want and doing what God wants, which we're about to get to here in a moment. But the first thing is this, Jesus was exemplifying surrender 
And we're called to live in that same obedience, which leads to something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. And it's this, the second thing is to deny ourselves. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And he says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus says, you and I are called to die to ourselves. That's what surrender is. That's what following Jesus is all about. And the question comes right back to you and I every single day. Are we living in a place of total surrender? Do we surrender on a Sunday, then pick our will back up on a Monday morning and go through our week doing our thing only to come back on a Sunday and give it back to the Lord and then take it back on a Monday? Jesus says we're called to lose our lives in him, to lay our lives down in him. See, Paul reiterated this point in Romans chapter six. When he talks about baptism, he explains it this way. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Paul is saying what Jesus was saying. This is very much about a picture of dying to ourselves. There's nothing magical about these waters. This is just simply water. What we're doing, though, when we take a step like baptism is walking in obedience. And Paul explains it as laying our old lives down in the watery grave of baptism symbolically and coming up new in Christ. That's what he's asking all of us to do if we haven't done it yet. So Paul says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Then he goes on to say, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And then listen to this. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. See, we're called to die to ourselves, but the other part of it is we can't leave it as we're dead to ourselves. The truth is, Paul goes on to say we're to live for Christ. It's that spirit of surrender, that spirit of obedience to what God wants. Romans 6, 11 through 13, he says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, therefore, Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any of the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather, listen carefully, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. It's that picture of surrender. It's that place where the Holy Spirit brings you and I in our hearts to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I far more value walking in obedience to God's will for my life than getting what I want, even though if we're all honest in our own stubbornness, we want what we want. And yet, the challenge from Jesus' example, the challenge from Paul's words is, live in a spirit of surrender. Live in a place of full surrender to God's plan. Live for the Lord. So when we do baptism, 
we explain it like this. Baptism is the outward proclamation of the inward transformation in Christ. It's declaring publicly, I want to be accountable for following God, and in front of all of you, that's what I'm declaring publicly. It's the outward declaration. But we also say this, baptism is the only biblical next step for those who put their faith in Christ. And I've said many times before, you can learn to read the Bible, you can have a great prayer life, you can get involved on a host team, you can get connected in a life group. Those are great things. But the only biblical next step for those who put their faith in Christ is water baptism. Let me explain what I mean by that because we try to make it as simple as possible at the Grove Church. And if you're relatively new today, then what you're hearing is probably gonna be relatively new as well. When we say the only biblical next step, it's because when you look at the first century church in the book of Acts, over and over, you have a certain picture that's painted. In Acts chapter two, Jesus had said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna leave and he ascends into heaven, but I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. Go and pray. They're praying in Jerusalem. It's during a feast in the Old Testament that's called Pentecost, the gathering festival, giving thanks to God for his provision. So they're, they're gathered, from Jews from all over the place in Jerusalem, and it says that the outpouring of the Spirit came and there was this blowing of a violent wind and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and so they began to speak in tongues and this movement poured out into the streets and people were freaking out. Like, what is happening? What is this? And, and Peter stands up. <clears throat> Can I have your attention, please? Folks, folks, hold on. T time out. You there, pipe down. Let me say something. And so all of a sudden, Peter stands up and says, this isn't craziness. They're not drunk like you're saying. This is what Joel prophesied about. And he goes back to quote Joel from the Old Testament. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. My sons and daughters will prophesy. My old men will dream dreams. My young men will see vision. And he goes on to talk about, he says, this was prophesied. And then he goes back and says, don't forget that this whole thing about Jesus is the real deal. And he says, there was all kinds of things said about a suffering servant and that's who Jesus is. And Peter preaches this amazing message and it says in Acts chapter 2, 37-38, 30, it says they were cut to the heart and asked Peter and the apostles, well, what do we do? And what's Peter's response? Repent. Okay, good. Let's try it again. A little, little more gusto this time. Okay. They say, what shall we do? And Peter's response is, repent. And repent and be baptized. Right in the same moment. And it says, at the end of that time, after Peter continued to warn him, 3,000 in one day repented and were baptized. It's amazing. But if you fast forward, and this happens throughout the book of Acts, there's a story about a guy named Philip. And he's a preacher, he's an evangelist, he's sharing the word. And in Acts chapter 8, he's walking along the road, and there's a guy in a chariot going by. And the Lord says, go up and walk next to the chariot as it's going by. So here's Philip, and he's just kind of doing his thing. And, and the guy in the chariot is literally reading Isaiah chapter 58. Now, that's significant because that's the prophecy about the suffering servant that we know as Jesus. Talks about a lamb, like the sheer, no, no beauty or majesty to attract us, all this stuff about this. And the guy's reading it, and Philip pops up to the chair and goes, hey, what you reading? And the guy's like, well, I'm reading this text from the Old, you know, he doesn't say Old Testament, I'm reading this text from, from, from you know, scriptures. And he goes, you understand what you're reading? The guy's like, I don't understand it, I need someone to explain it. Now watch this. Philip specifically, word for word, says this, okay? Says, Philip grabbed his chance using this passage as his text, he preached Jesus to him, okay? 
Philip explains the whole message to this Ethiopian eunuch guy. It says, as they continued down the road, they came to a stream of water. The eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? That's the question that this guy asks. Philip's response is not, well, you don't know enough. Well, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Philip's response is, well, you haven't, you know, understand all of the systematic theology to get to this point of being baptized. He doesn't say anything like that. The eunuch says, hey, look, there is some water. Now that you've explained to me this whole thing about Jesus, I believe in it. Now I should get baptized. And Philip's response is this. He ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. Three more words. They went down in the water, and Philip baptized him on the spot. See, I'm all, I think it's great that there are certain churches where you, you, you can take six classes and study the theology of baptism, and then you get baptized. I think that's great. I also think that there are way too many people, some of them sitting in here today, that think of all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't get baptized. And so all of a sudden, you leave here going, yeah, I should consider that sometime, and maybe when they do it again. And I'm saying, today's your day. I'm saying, remove the excuses. You need to get back here. You're here, and maybe you didn't wear waterproof makeup, and you're terrified of coming out of the water looking like Alice Cooper. And we don't care. We're going to celebrate with you life change. Some of you have put your faith in Christ. You've said yes to Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, be my Lord, but you've yet to be water baptized and you need to take that step. You need to remove every excuse. And I'm telling you, I do not want you to leave here today with another reason why you shouldn't get baptized. So we make it as easy as possible. I want you, in other words, to come in dry and leave wet. Just that simple. It really is. So some of you go, yeah, yeah, but I understand what you're saying. I feel like I need a sign. Raise your hand here if you're a woman. Just raise your hands high. Female, woman. Now, if you're a guy in here, it's, it's almost as simple. If you're, if you're a guy in here, raise your hand. Here's your sign. God just gave you a sign. Just dropped it right. I mean, here you go. Some of you guys thought this is one of those weird churches where guys sit on this side, girls sit on Nope, that's not it. Here's what it is. We make it as easy as possible because if you're a guy, it, it, we put this over here because back behind this door, we set up dressing rooms and we have every size of t-shirt you need and every size of shorts you need and all kinds of towels so that today you remove every excuse. And if you're a female, the same is true over here. We got dressing rooms set up in the back and every size of shirt that's even being waved out the door. You can see. Thank you, Dana, for that. So that you remove every excuse because, listen, you and I are hiders by nature. You and I think of ten reasons why it shouldn't happen today. And I'm telling you, walk in obedience. Die to yourself. Live for Christ. And if you've given your life to faith in Jesus, but you've yet to be water baptized, today is your day. Stop hiding. Follow Jesus. Die to self. Live for Christ. It really, really, really is that simple. And so in a moment, we're going to have everybody stand up, and I'm just going to pray. And I can try to say it as, as, as clear as I can and, and try to help you with examples or whatever, look at Scripture, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I really believe it's only the Holy Spirit that compels people to step out of their comfort zones. 
and to walk in obedience. I'm going to pray. And that's my prayer. And just a moment for you to remove every reason why it's not today. I can't do it today. But instead go, you know what? I would far rather walk in obedience to walk. I remove every excuse. Stop with the reasons why it doesn't work for me. Go ahead and stand to your feet today. Father, today, I love that in a few moments we're going to celebrate. Lord, for Kylan Hudson, great. We, we love it. Jordan and I are excited about that. Our own kids. There's others that have signed up and they're going to line up here in a few months and they're going to get baptized. But God, there are some in this room that right now they're realizing I've given my life to faith in Christ. But you know what? I haven't been baptized since I made that decision. And my prayer, God, is for every single individual. God, male or female, they get out of their comfort zone. Oh, I'm in the balcony. Who cares? Take a longer walk. On the main floor, but I'm sitting in the middle and I got to ask, excuse me, pardon me, big deal. God, we remove every reason why this doesn't apply to us and we walk in obedience to you. Father, touch every single heart in this room. On one hand, for those that need to get baptized, absolutely that they would take that step, removing every excuse. But for all of us, are we living a life dying to ourselves? Are we living a life surrendered in life in Christ? Jesus, move in all of us, God. And thank you that we get to celebrate baptisms in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.